0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Catholic Halos podcast. I'm Veronica Ambuel, Director of Communications for the Diocese of Colorado Springs, and I'm joined today by Deacon Patrick Jones, who's an award-winning author of Catholic fiction and the founder of Catholic Halos, and Deacon Doug Flynn, who is the Chancellor and General Counsel for the Diocese. Uh, before we begin our discussion today, Deacon Doug, would you lead us in an opening prayer?
1: Certainly. Ave Maria, gracia plena, dominus tecum, benedicta tu in mulieribus, benedictus fructus ventris tu iesus.
0: Sancta Maria Mater Dei, ora nobis peccatoribus, nunc in anora mortis nostrae. Amen.
2: And, uh, we are trying to figure out how we do this when uh, I introduce the topic. (laughs) So, um, the, uh, last week on the ranch, uh, we ended with the question, uh, talking about, um, nuclear, uh, morale, the morality of nuclear weapons. And the simple answer is there is no morality to nuclear weapons. Um, and we basically left with the question that was a head scratcher for us at the moment of what would a Catholic country do besides negotiate with other countries to try to disarm. And then I was uh, praying the rosary on my trail run the next day. And (laughs) it just hit me clear as a bell. Uh, Holy Mama Mary said, um, pray the rosary. It's more powerful infinitely than an atomic bomb. And uh, so I got to have a good laugh at myself along the way there. Um, But the the reality is the Rosary is more powerful infinitely than an atomic bomb. Uh, And we've got a couple of examples from uh, one from, I, I believe... It's one of the bombs that was dropped on Japan. Um, let's see on, uh, article just on Hiroshima. There's a Jesuit church there and the bomb exploded just eight blocks from that. And, uh, the description is suddenly a terrific explosion filled the air with one bursting thunderstroke. An invisible force lifted me from the chair, hurtled me through the air, shook me, battered me, whirled me round and round like a leaf in a gust of autumn wind, said the, uh, Jesuit priest. And four priests lived in the rectory, uh, within the radius of the complete atomic destruction. So everything was absolutely leveled. And after, the shock of the blast they looked around and they were the only living things around for miles in any direction. They saw nothing. It was all leveled. Um, and they didn't suffer from radiation poisoning afterwards. Uh, and they attribute it to, um, they say, we believe that we survived because we were living the message of Fatima We lived and prayed the rosary daily in the home. Um, And so progressives have mockingly referred to the rosary as an, and I'm going to get the numbers wrong here. Doug, help me out. (laughs) The AK-47, is that right?
1: Yeah, the AK-47 is the Russian uh, gun that nobody likes and the AR-15 is the American gun that nobody likes.
2: Okay, so whichever one of those that they uh, they call it, thinking they're calling it a, a big bad weapon and they're, they're actually way underestimating its firepower. <laughs> um, it just works as God works, completely differently from human fallen human worldly expectations uh, and so we wanted to make this podcast focus on um not all cuz we're not even going to presume to begin to understand what all the victories of the rosary are throughout history but some of the ones that are the the big highlights where it's faith through the rosary um and has changed the outcome of uh various battles um so that's where we wanted to start and we're not necessarily going in any chronological order.
0: Well, um, you know, one of the things that I thought about when I read, read that story, um, of the Jesuit priests who were, um, spared during the bombing of, uh, the, the nuclear bomb dropped in Japan was, uh, that it, it is interesting because the uh, the Jesuit order had a very long history in that country, I believe. Um, and 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 it's martyrdom suffered,
2: history. Yes, I was
0: just <laughs> going to say they had suffered quite a bit. The the priests there, um, and I think there's been a couple movies made about this, um, but
2: some better than others. Right, right. none of us have seen. <laughs> that,
0: yeah, no, that's true. I have not seen, but. Um, they had suffered quite a bit, I mean, and and it was um, like, a, uh, how shall we say, uh, a very up and down, you know, kind of tumultuous um, process of establishing Christianity in Japan. And I often, I mean, it just occurred to me, I don't have anything to back this up, but you know if in a way that wasn't kind of uh the blessed mothers you know expression of love and gratitude for even even though maybe those priests themselves hadn't been persecuted but just the fact that the the jesuits had expended so much um you know kind of blood sweat and tear so to speak and And, and that actually at the time that the, uh, the bomb was dropped, Catholicism was pretty highly developed and well established in, in that country. So, you know, it, it is, uh, it is, I think it is interesting to consider it in that context. And then the Mm -hmm. other, the other one that, uh, the other story, uh, Deacon Patrick, that you, had, um, mentioned also is, uh, tied in with Our Lady of the, the message of Our Lady of Fatima because it, it was uh article from the National Catholic Register, October 13th, 2019. Um, and it says that, uh, how Our Lady saved the world from a nuclear, from a nuclear war. Um, And it starts out, Sister Lucia of Fatima revealed that Our Lady told her if the consecration had not been made by John Paul II, there would have been a nuclear war. So on September 1st, 1983, flying from Anchorage to Seoul, a Korean Airlines Boeing 747 with 269 people on board strayed off its planned route and flew over an island that violated Soviet airspace. Quickly, a Russian fighter plane shot down. Shot Shot it down. See, I think it should say shot (laughs) it. Right, yeah. And the outrageous action prompted five Western European countries, including Great Britain and Germany, to okay accepting United States medium-range missiles beginning November of that year. With their military advantage rapidly shrinking, the Soviets were ready for war. Then, 205 days later, on March 25th, 1984, St. John Paul II consecrated the world to, to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. He invited all the bishops in the world to join him for the ceremony, closing the Holy Year of Redemption. Um, and then, less than two months later, uh, in 1984, on May 13th, which was the 67th anniversary of the first apparition of Fatima, Catastrophe hit the Russian fleet at the, I'm going to butcher this name, severomorsk <laughs> naval base located near Finland on the Barents Sea. A fire believed caused by a cigarette turned catastrophic like a spark in a huge fireworks factory. It triggered the explosion of a huge stockpile of missiles. Of 900 anti-aircraft missiles, 580 were destroyed. Of 400 surface-to-service missiles able to carry nuclear warheads, 320 were obliterated. Upwards of 300 military personnel died. It devastated the Soviet Union's northern fleet. So, I mean, I, I guess reading reading that article, the the interpretation seems to be that that um, that accidental explosion that greatly diminished Russia, Russia's nuclear capability was was actually the result of the consecration to, to Russia uh, sorry consecration to the Immaculate Heart of Mary made by Saint John Paul the the Second. Um, and that that there's been a lot of debate about the consecration um, to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Uh, that was done in, in 1984. Um, and I know that just, uh, shortly after he became bishop, um, Bishop Goka participated in another kind of worldwide consecration that, um, Pope Francis had called for. Um, but I, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, based on this story, it seems like the first consecration must have had some validity. (laughs) (laughs) Well, The
2: the secret of the rosary by St. Louis de Montfort um, has an amazing description, and I won't give the whole thing in it. But the power of the rosary, uh, well, first of all, the rosary came, was a gift to St. Dominic, from Our Lady. Uh, and he, uh, there was, let's see, it was a, an Albigensian who, uh, was a, that was a heresy, the Albigensian heresy, um, was, uh, so an Albigensian was brought to St. Dominic and he was, Uh, the Albigensian was possessed and uh, it turns out that the devils who were possessing him, there were 15,000 of them um, in the body of this, this poor man because he had attacked the 15 mysteries of the rosary. Um, And St. Dominic asks them, binds them to tell the truth, uh, asks, uh, our lady to bind them to tell the truth. And, um, they, he asks them, who is the saint that, uh, you fear the most so that we Christians, uh, can turn to them and, and, uh, pray, pray, ask them for their intercession. Um, and, <clears throat> It's fascinating because, uh, if you've read the screw tape letters, um, you got to believe the C.S. Lewis has read some of these things too. Uh, and I'll just read this. It's a fairly long section. Um, oh, you who are our enemy, our downfall and our destruction, Why have you come from heaven just to torture us so grievously? O advocate of sinners, you who snatch them from the very jaws of hell, you who are the very sure path to heaven, must we, in spite of ourselves, tell the whole truth and confess before everyone who it is who is the cause of our shame and our ruin? O woe unto us, prince of darkness! Then listen well, you Christians, The mother of Jesus Christ is all-powerful, and she can save her servants from falling into hell. She is the sun who destroys the darkness of our wiles and subtlety. It is she who uncovers our hidden plots, breaks our snares, and makes our temptations useless and ineffectual. We have to say, however, reluctantly, that not a single soul who has really persevered in her service has ever been damned with us. One single sigh that she offers to the Blessed Trinity is worth far more than all the prayers, desires, and aspirations of all the saints. We fear her more than all the other saints in heaven together, and we have no success with her faithful servants." Many Christians who call upon her when they are at the hour of death and who really ought to be damned according to our ordinary standards are saved by her intercession. Oh, if only that Mary, it is thus in their fury that they called her, Had not pitted her strength against ours and had not upset our plans, we should have conquered the church and should have destroyed it long before this, and we would have seen to it that all the orders in the church fell into error and disorder. Now that we are forced to speak, we must also tell you this. Nobody who perseveres in saying the rosary will be damned, because she obtains for her servants the grace of true contrition for their sins, and by means of this, they obtain God's forgiveness and mercy. And against the power of an atomic bomb, the power of a single soul to be saved into heaven for eternity, um, the atomic bomb doesn't even begin to register on that scale in comparison. We've got to understand the scale that we're talking about when it comes to, uh, a soul being damned for eternity or saved for eternity. And the, the beauty of the rosary and praying the mysteries of Christ's life um, through the eyes of Mary is a wonderful and powerful weapon. Um, And St. Padre Pio used to always uh, call for his weapon. Give me my weapon. There's spiritual warfare is going on.
1: Mm. Um, Well, Deacon Patrick, it reminds me of a homily that uh, my pastor gave on the Feast of the Assumption. And he told the story of um, Jesus in heaven, noting uh, that there are some people wandering around who clearly didn't belong there. And so Jesus gets a little upset with St. Peter and says, uh, St. Peter, what are you doing? You're falling down on the job here and you're letting these folks in who shouldn't get into heaven. And St. Peter responds, oh, Jesus, no, I turn them away just like you always told me to. But then I find out they go around back and your mother lets them in the back door.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, that's but that's that's an image that um, comes up fairly regularly uh, in you know, reading some of the door to heaven. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Well, or, you know, it kind of that I, I, the way I have heard it expressed, and this is just, you know, one of many ways, but, um, one of the spiritual authors said that he, I I believe it was a, a man said that he had seen an image of, uh, people trying to scale a tower to get to, uh, Jesus, but it was it like, imagine. I mean, I'm sure I couldn't do this, like climbing, trying to climb straight up, kind of like Spider-Man up the, the side of a building and, or, or even, you know, the whole thing of like rock climbing. I mean, it's, it's very hard. Every step you need to, um, hold on for dear life, you know, that kind of thing. And then he's he, in the same, um, image there were other people who were easily getting to the top and it was because Mary had like dropped a rope or something that they just kind of <laughs> climbed climbed up easily and th- the the idea of Mary being the the shortcut to um to Jesus is or you know to to heaven is um i i mean i think it comes up Fairly often in various ways in a lot of the spiritual classics, you know, so I, I mean, that's kind of I mean, it's kind of ironic in a way that the rosary would be considered um, old fashioned or, you know, like no longer in vogue. Because honestly, it, it's it, it it's it's more, you know, efficacious than ever, it would seem, um, you know, based on. Based on what we read from these these various saints, um, I uh, Deacon Doug, you mentioned the Feast of the um, Ascension, or sorry, the Assumption. The Assumption. Um, I happened to go to the cathedral for Mass on that day, and um, I believe uh, the, the the priest who said Mass there he also referenced Saint Dominic, and he was talking about how. Um, even to this day, the the Dominicans wear a long string of rosary beads on the side, uh, in the traditional place where someone would, uh, where a soldier would have a sword hanging down. Um, and I had never, you know, I, I I haven't seen a lot of Dominicans, but I have seen, you know, pictures of them and their habits with. With the beads hanging down, but I never knew the significance of that, you know, so um yeah i mean uh, we it it seems uh seems pretty pretty clear that um g- this is a gift that that um God gave us all to uh t- precisely to be used kind of in our in the m- most um difficult moments or most intense battles. Um, that we face. So, um, and, and we have in the not too distant future, about another five weeks or so, we've got the feast of our lady of the rosary um, coming up on October 7th. So good time to brush up on, on that kind of thing.
2: (laughs) And there's numerous battles. uh, I know uh, in, in capturing Spain, Um, from the Muslims, uh, which eventually resulted in the, um, uh, Spain becoming Catholic again. Uh, the, uh, there's, there's numerous battles where, um, when the faith of the soldiers, they had, uh, gone to confession, gone to mass, attended mass, and then, um, prayed the rosary. They won uh, hands down, and if they didn't, they lost horribly. <laughs> and when they won, it was against odds that they shouldn't have won. Um, there's also the Battle of Lepanto, uh, in 1571, uh, the naval battle, um, and that, uh, if uh, my research team was here they could give me all the details on, on what that ended up resulting in the different titles of mary but she's uh, i believe she's uh, officially an admiral <laughs> uh, um but it was the defeat of uh the christian uh navy um defeated the uh muslim navy uh and they the odds were stacked against them, so uh, the Turks were would have, by earthly standards, would have easily won. Um, and if you look online, you can find list after list of these uh, different victories.
1: Well, Deacon Patrick, I was looking online on the 1571 battle, and it noted that uh, it was Pope Pius V who asked the Christian faithful to pray the Rosary and seek the intercession of the Blessed Mother to defeat the Muslim navy. And despite being outnumbered, the Christian fleet prevailed. Accordingly, Pope Pius established October the seventh as a feast day of Our Lady of Victory, thus perpetually bringing honor to the Blessed Mother for her assistance. And then later in 1573, Pope Gregory the Eighth changed the name to the Feast of Our Lady of the Rosary, which Veronica was just re- referring to as coming up.
2: You can't change the topic. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, and and. I think um, going back to the article in the National Catholic Register about how um, the the Rosary helped avert a nuclear war. Um, one of the things that they that that the author discusses a little further down is that um, it, it's quite possible that our our lady because she is so motherly and of course um uh now you know now she's in heaven one of the um benefits of seeking her intercession is that she kind of knows who the people might be that she can use to uh produce a good outcome so so they they it's kind of a fascinating story but um basically what they say in this article is that um it seems like our lady touched the heart of one of the uh soviet officers to cause him to delay launching any missiles after that that uh that crisis so It says, could it not be possible Our Lady also averted a nuclear war using a single officer in the Soviet Air Defense Forces? In the early morning hours on September 26, 1983, uh, Stanislav Petrov was at his post in a secret command center outside Moscow. As the duty officer, the 44-year-old lieutenant colonel had the job of watching the computer that monitored the Soviets' early warning system, linked to satellites over the United States on the lookout for missile launches. It was 25 days after the Soviets shot down the Korean passenger plane. Earlier, President Ronald Reagan had condemned the Soviets as an evil empire. Short-range missiles were being placed in Europe. The Cold War was at the boiling point. Everyone was on edge-of-the-seat alert. Petrov was at his post. Unexpectedly, less than an hour after midnight, the alarm sounded. The siren howled, but I just sat there for a few seconds staring at the big backlit red screen with the word launch on it, he would tell an interviewer years later. The system insisted the alert was reliable and the United States had launched an ICBM missile. Um, And then, you know, goes on to say he's basically the he's he continues to get these messages saying that he has to launch a missile to retaliate. it says says all I had to do was to reach for the phone to raise the direct line to our top commanders but I couldn't move I felt like I was sitting on a hot frying pan all the data was telling him there was a nuclear missile attack on the way um his his role was the critical middleman but something could it have been someone held him back from reaching phone that reaching for that phone immediately instead he delayed his response shortly it didn't s- seem sound to him that the united states with their hundreds of missiles should launch o- launch only five icbms to start a nuclear war i had a funny feeling in my gut he would say and so you know it goes it's a lengthy story but i, I mean just reading that you you have to f- kind of um fill in the blanks and feel that it was you know mary who um somehow was uh you know speaking to him or or uh really kind of uh bringing him extra graces to not react in haste and panic you know in this really um alarming situation so um you know it she does she does act through people you know but we don't always we it seems based on this anyway that, you know, we don't always see it until years later. So, yeah, it's a fascinating, fascinating story for sure. Um, and, uh, you know, I guess uh, I know we're going to discuss this more uh, next. Next uh, episode of the podcast, but. I. uh Couldn't help but think as we were preparing about Bishop Sheridan, you know, and his uh, dedication to the rosary as well. So we have the one year anniversary of his death coming up here um, pretty soon on, I believe it was September 27th. So um, hopefully we can talk about that more uh, in our next episode as well.
2: Well, and to sort of wrap up here, uh, the we're very much in spiritual warfare you just have to look at the headlines to see that and we can get sucked into the fear of the world fear of what's happening or we can curl up on uh, holy mama mary's lap and <laughs> and talk with her and gain strength and uh, nourishment of faith to um to live the faith uh, of love of her son and his, uh, sacrifice to free us from the bonds of hell and from the demons that, uh, would love to torment us. Um, and it really is the most powerful weapon. Period. What-
0: well, we're about out of time for today, but before we go, just want to remind everybody that you can hear this episode and all past episodes of Catholic Halos on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, um, Stitcher, and several other platforms. So feel free to check us out there. And- Stitcher. Stitcher. That's a yeah, that's a new one, but that, um-
2: that sounds like a horror movie. <laughs> 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 or a movie about a surgeon. I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure where the, what the connection is there to podcasting. But um, anyway, it's uh, so uh, before we go, Deacon Patrick, would you lead us in a closing prayer?
2: In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, dominus tecum, benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus.
0: Sancta Maria Mater Dei, Ora Pernobis Picatori nunc Nuke and Anora Mortis Nostrae. Amen. Thanks everyone for joining us for this episode of the Catholic Halos Podcast.